Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Few with me, Boo. If you haven't subscribed yet, make sure you do that below. If you thought the last podcast was pretty awesome, not the podcast itself, but the guest, make sure you leave a review. And the more likes, follows, subscribes, reviews we get, the better guests come on the show. A little bit like today's guest. But I want to position this podcast. There's something that I guess people take for granted when it comes to being one of the few. And that's crossing the Rubicon, or as some people call it, you know, stepping outside your comfort zone, or as I like to call it, expanding your existing comfort zone. But there's something about being one of the few that requires you to transition from who you are to what you want to be. And it's been an interesting week. I mean, I've been on the road. I've been working with probably one of the world's biggest pharmaceutical companies, biggest on the planet with their leadership team. And two themes came out of that, which I thought were really interesting. One was trust and the ability to create measure trust. And again, as a former fighter pilot in all my businesses, I never really thought trust was an issue. I thought, yeah, we would all start with trust. And the second one was courage. And to the point where the theme became commitment, consistency, and courage. And when I saw that, I was sort of thinking, you know, what does courage mean when it comes to leadership or in a corporate sense? And lo and behold, the universe opened its gate. And today we have someone who's made courage her practice, the topic that gets her excited and the people that she works with excited, more specifically, courage to lead, uh, courage and leadership. Welcome to the Few Podcast. Never in the field of human conflict was so much owed by so many to so few. So you want to become one of the few. You can't skip steps. You have to put one foot in front of the other. Things take time. I have a dream. I have a dream. Hear inspiring stories from the few and learn what it takes to turn your dream into reality. Don't be afraid to dream big. But remember, dreams without gold are just dreams. This is The Few with Boo. Amy Riley. Amy, thank you so much for coming on The Few podcast with me today. I'm absolutely pumped to have this conversation. How are you doing? Yeah, doing well. Thanks for having me. I'm even more excited to have this conversation about courage uh, based on your experiences this week. Courage is really fascinating, isn't it? And something, something we take for granted. What we're probably used to in terms of courage, I would suspect, is when we're watching a movie and it's a Marvel superhero or it's a war movie or it's someone you know, having a terminal illness. There's these extreme versions of courage, right? It's like when your back's against the wall, you've got no other options, boom. Clearly that is not day-to-day life. First one I'm going to ask you is how do you define courage on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. And if I can back up just a little bit, Boo, I came to this desire to share about courage with leadership because I noticed every time I was impressed by a leader, I was impressed or I was inspired. I was like, oh, they're demonstrating courage in this moment. And then I started asking myself, what do I mean by that? (laughs) Right? I'm just having the sense that they're being courageous in this moment. What exactly are they doing? What kind of courage is that? And I started categorizing it. And I came up with the courage of a leader for pillars. Every time I noticed and felt that a person was being courageous, or they would language it that way themselves. It was in one of four ways. The courage to be authentically you, the courage to say what needs to be said, the courage to trust the legacy, and that's your own leadership legacy, your own commitment or purpose for your leadership. 
and the courage to be bold and create the extraordinary. So I define courage as the willingness, the commitment, the demonstration of who you authentically are, standing up for that commitment, stepping forward, being bold in that moment. It doesn't mean the absence of fear or doubt. <laughs> well, that's what courage is, isn't it? I mean, it's the there's the rock, that's the fear and the doubt. The, the courage is the bit where you go, oh, despite that, I'm going to lean into it. Authenticity is funny, isn't it? I think where it probably is so obvious to us on a personal level is when we're dating, isn't it? And when we're dating, you know, we think we've got to be this amazing or totally different person. And you you see on the TV and the movies where like, oh, I'm so nervous about being this piece of that person. They go, look, just be yourself. So let's talk about authenticity and maybe also the conversation, which is, you know, having that understanding of yourself and letting, why are people so afraid of just being them and saying, hey, this is me, take it or leave it. Why do we feel like we have to be a different version? I don't know whether you know this, but a statistic came out online where it uh, surveyed a whole bunch of kids under the age of 21. And they said, 69% said they prefer the virtual version of themselves, their virtual identity than who they were. What, what's going yeah, on? Yeah, yeah. Two things, I think, Boo. One is first how our brains work, right? Since our brains are built for survival, We've got this amygdala, this limbic part of the system that's always scanning for threat and always saying, look out, human, that's going to be a problem. This is going to be an issue, right? And having our brain scan in that way and ready to do that fight, flight, or freeze response whenever it notices a threat. And of course, it treats physical and psychological threats the same because our brains are built for survival. Well, when we're nervous about making a presentation in front of senior leaders or in front of a large group, we don't need the fight, flight, or freeze response. We need the brain activity to go to the prefrontal cortex. So I think part of the reason why we see imposter syndrome so prevalent across all levels of leadership is our brain is designed to protect us. And it's always saying, this is a threat. You don't know how to handle this. Look out. And then I think the other thing is we see leaders being successful. We see people in our lives doing things well, and we compare and contrast. I don't know how to do it that way. Those aren't my same strengths. I could never be like that. Rather than authentically looking at what's my style, what are my strengths? And that also involves what are my passions, right? What do I care about? Where can I show up? powerfully and lean into that rather than, oh, I'm not quite like that person. The challenge is though, you've got to try things to figure that out, right? It doesn't, it's not natural where you instantly understand your strengths. And it also requires an invitation of critique and to ask the question of people, what, you know, maybe what are my strengths? What is it that you said it earlier, it was like you observe certain behaviors in a leader and you said, that's what's important to me in a leader. And I think for a lot of leaders, it's they struggle with it and the simplicity of saying, well, what do you respect in a leader? And then, well, let's try and mimic those behaviors and see how good we are at some and, and others. But how do you develop self-awareness to be able to understand that? Like, uh, you know, a young leader might have a perception of their strengths, but they could be, could be completely wrong. Like, how do we get to the bottom of that? Yes. A few inquiries I will invite leaders to engage in. First of all, just reflecting on where do they feel strong? Right? Where did they think like, yeah, I provided some value there, right? Oh, my contribution made a difference. And just notice those times where we feel like we've provided value. 
also notice those times where we get into the groove. It raises our energy, right? We're excited to do this activity or have a discussion on this topic. And then I think to your point, Boo, also asking other people, where do I provide value? Get that feedback, right? How did I do? Because sometimes our strengths can be so innate to us. It's just the way that we approach something. It's almost invisible to us. Doesn't everybody think and operate that way, right? But when others or what others come to us for, right? Start to notice those patterns. I guess that requires the trigger to be aware of that, to take the time prior to find light, isn't it? Between that and when you become overly analytical, self-analytical of who you are and what your behaviors are. And like, it's a fine line, isn't it? Yeah, it can be. And of course, there's tons of assessments out there that can help us with that as well, right? Self-assessments and ones where we get feedback reflected from others. What's been your journey with courage in your own life? Where have you felt those times where I just got to have faith? I just got to do this. I just despite the unknown, I mean, to be able to speak eloquently on it in front of lots of type alpha leader personalities, you must have some of a familiarity with it with your own life journey. Personal story is the first thing that comes to mind. When my husband and I had been married for a number of years, we were deciding when and if we were going to have kids. And we felt like we wanted to do that and that we wanted to have biological children, right? So I would be going through pregnancy And I had a lot of disempowering perspectives on pregnancy, boo, at that time. I was like, oh, right, I'm I'm already an emotional person. I'm not the most steady person out there. And now I'm going to have the hormones that come with pregnancy. Wow, I'm really going to be off the charts here. And yeah, it just seemed like a really strange concept to me there that like, you know, like this baby is going to take over my body. I had a lot of self-doubts and disempowering perspectives about it. And it was the first time that I really got, Amy, you got to look at how to do this your way. If this is something that you, and I, it was, this was like practice what you preach in your own life. Like you're telling leaders, lean into your strengths, do it your way, find your path, find what works for you. I'm like, okay, practice what you preach in this area of your life. And I did. I started looking at every disempowering perspective that came up, right? I'm going to get morning sickness. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's not bad. Like I ended up not having any morning sickness in either pregnancy, boo. But I started looking at my thoughts. What's empowering that I'm thinking that I can really lean into? What's disempowering? And let's tease that apart, right? Is there anything to set up for myself or to do about that? Or is it really not true? And I really started looking at how do I want to do this my way? I had a lot of great moms in my life. They weren't necessarily doing it the way that I would do it. So what are my choices? And then when I started getting more intentional about that, I felt more empowered. And I think that's a leadership role in our lives. But that's the first one that came to mind when you asked that question, Boo. Is that another perspective on that is leaning into and and really focusing on the things you could control and then starting to let go and accept the things that you know you really can't, you just don't know yet. Yeah, I do that inquiry and that activity with leaders often. Uh, Stephen Covey's circle of concern, circle of influence, right? What are we concerned about? We, like, we're concerned about being prevalent in the marketplace or we're concerned about our kids being healthy. Well, what can we do about that? 
and let's focus on our influence, right? And then when we focus there, then that starts to grow. It's interesting. <laughs> Pregnancy is a funny one, isn't it? For some people, it's, no one even thinks about it and then it just ends up being a, just a complete, you know, everything goes wrong, right? And then you can really think about it, but you know, maybe there's a degree of the universe saying, hey, you've thought about this, you've considered, you know, you've put good energy out into the universe, you've got the right intention, you know, <laughs> let's make this a little, we might make this a little bit e e tolerable for you. And in terms of with your kids and courage, and I always find when you talk to people that have, that have embarked upon a life of personal development, helping others develop, that your poor old kids end up in the radar as well, right? They just don't get to go home after the seminar. How do you find it from a parenting perspective and helping kids with courage and facing the unknown? It's the conundrum of life and of leaders in that you're given the responsibility and the accountability to go from where we are today into the unknown. And for children, I think there's a challenge with that now to some degree. I mean, how do you see it manifested as a as a parent or a parent-child relationship? Yes. Well, I'm first of all hoping that I'm setting an example of courage, right? That um, mom has started her own business, right? Mom is seeking out what she loves and what she knows makes a difference with leaders in the world. I like to challenge myself with athletic bases and endeavors as well. So they see me and I'm, I'm by no means, a, you know, a, far from an elite athlete. I'm middle of the pack athlete usually. Well, you're a pretty good athlete. I mean, you, you do some pretty extreme forms of athletic endeavor, but we'll come to that in a minute, but sorry. Yeah. Well, I, I have, right. I have completed a hundred mile race. I have completed Ironman races and I like to say we're ready for what we're trained for. And I'm authentic with my children. I share with them the highs and the lows, the journey, right? Like what I had to learn, like what I was messing up along the way. I think it's important for kids to see all of that. Oh, I keep going to, to personal topics, but I'm being authentic here today, boo. When my father passed away, I unexpectedly experienced some pretty intense grief. And my kids were witnesses to that. And my husband and I didn't try to hide that from them. We talked about what was going on with mom. You know, I was talking to them throughout it, which is sometimes hard and really messy. You know, lots of times people like to share about those tough experiences afterwards, right? I figured it out. It's all worked out now. I've made my way through it. But the kids are there experiencing it. And I wanted them to have a... I don't know, a healthy relationship with what was going on. The other thing that I will say is that people have got to be open to coaching, right? And so kids and their teenagers now, they don't always want to be coached or talk things through or process. And they're more on the introverted side of the scale. Well, they don't need to because they got this. They figured it all out, right? It's, they're teenagers. <laughs> Yes, right. So there's this. There's sometimes people say to me, "Well, aren't your kids lucky to have like the coach in the in the house?" And I'm like, "Yeah, that's not always happening, right? Because I, I I'm I'm not going to do any good if I'm trying to 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 force messages." Hi, oh, it's Boo here. If you're enjoying these episodes of the few, please show your support by leaving a review. It costs you nothing, and the more reviews we have, the better guests we can reach out and bring onto the show to help you close the gap between what you want and where you are today even faster and help you on your journey to become one of the few too. Yeah, and I, I remember reading a, a book 
a long time ago. It's called Raising Boys, and it talks about you know, the best way for a father to raise a boy is to be an example up to the age of eight and nine, and then make sure they're all all surrounded by other people that set an example from then on, because they're not really going to listen to you anymore. Uh, so your job transitions into influencing them to influencing their environment. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I mean, gosh, there's no p- perfect solution to, to parenting, is there? But do you see courage in your children? I do. Yes. An example from this week, my son has an English assignment. He needs to deliver a speech today. So he had the humility to say, I don't know how to do this. This is something that my mom does. I'm going to go and I'm going to ask for help. So we have been practicing throughout the week. And I also see him, you know, I'm telling him about gestures and including different parts of the audience and boo, he's trying it. Right. And he's letting him know, oh, that feels weird. I'm like, it looks great. Right. But we look what we found, what's going to fit his style. Right. He was willing to play with it. He's willing to project his voice and he's doing the Obama's farewell speech after he left office. He's doing the end of it. Right. So he's saying it's been the honor of my lifetime to serve you. Right. And he's and he naturally emphasized that word honor. So he's going for it. And uh, we'll hear tonight about how it went. Yeah, I mean, it's picked an emotive passage to speak to there. I really, I mean, as you're talking, I just keep reflecting on my life. And, you know, the interesting thing about my journey being a fighter pilot was it's almost like the environment created the person that you are, which is a bit of a, it's a bit of a gift on one hand. And it's a bit of a curse once you leave and you got to sort of try and moderate those, those behaviors. But one of the challenges, I guess, with not being authentic is, when you're being a version other than yourself and things aren't going well or as you expected, there's not much you can do, can you? Because it's the narrative. You're not sure whether it's the narrative that's wrong or the situation. And at least if it's yourself, you can change it. You know, just rolling out different characters of the story rather than being the central character means that you just prolong problems that I would imagine. I talk with leaders about this a lot, that like sometimes things are going wrong or there's chaos or there's a lot of pressure to meet deadlines and everybody's work plates are too full, right? Like, like how do you manage inside of this? And we'll talk more about what are your commitments, right? How are you going to show up? How are you going to be in what feels like a sea of chaos right now? And sometimes with leadership, I've said, and this might not sound very empowering, but I mean, we can't control people and all the nuances of the situation. We do what we know to do and we be bold with that. But sometimes it's just trying to, I call it throwing spaghetti at the wall. Like we're trying and we need to feel good when we put our head on the pillow at night that we did our due diligence, Right. I did everything that I could to influence that situation in the right way. I did everything I could to do right by that person. Maybe it worked. Maybe it didn't work. But I know at the end of the night when I put my head on the pillow, I did everything that I could think of for that and to fulfill my commitment, whatever that is in that situation. So when you said, Boo, at the beginning, courage, commitment, and consistency, I'm like, woo, those three C's really fit together. Because I think it's often, it's our commitment. It's our bigger picture purpose that has us being courageous and has us operating consistently. I mean, that's courage. If you're not committed, you can't, there's nothing to be courageous for, right? No, I, re- God, I cannot remember his name. I need to look it up again. I saw a TED talk about the different 
it was about 100% commitment. And there is only 100% commitment, not 99, not 99.9. Because without the 100%, there's always the point. Today is just the day, the 0.01, you decide I'm not going to commit, right? And in today's world, consistency is hard. I mean, there's so many good things and fun things and exciting new things. And I can do it this way and I can do it that way. And I can put different toppings on my cake. Like even just, and consistency is boring and committing to the, and being courageous enough to stick to your guns. You would have seen, no doubt, in your coaching with leaders, how a particular person and who they are and what they believe in becomes shaped and maybe conflicted with the culture of the organization that they're in. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've certainly worked with some organizations. I'm like, I don't think however much work I do here, the toxic layer that exists in here is just not going to to, to work for anyone. What does that do to somebody as a leader? What about the courage to quit and create that peer group? How important is that? Yes. Oh, yeah. I've worked with a number of leaders over the years in this situation and the exploration of what's going to be right for them. Right. And I would probably say, well, maybe it's about 50 50, right? 50 have d- decided like there's not alignment with this culture, right? This culture, I'm, I'm, in fact, you know, my values are in opposition to some of what's going on in this culture. I need to exit. And it's probably been the other 50 that have looked at like, how do I create a subculture? How do I use my influence to create? Uh, to foster the values and the practices and the beliefs that are in alignment with what's important to me. So not hard and fast guidance there. Maybe it's bigger picture guidance about, you know, looking at what are your values? What are you seeing reflected back to you in the environment? But what do you realistically feel like you can influence? And is this a phase of life where you want to take that on? Right. I mean, someone might be a new parent and be like, you know what? No, I've got other things going on in my life. Like this is not the phase of life where I can be the significant culture change agent in my organization. But maybe some, uh, someone else has the, has the circumstances and they're like, yeah, I've got the time and energy and I care about this. I see some good things here. Let's make a shift. And that BS filter gradually gets bigger and bigger as you become more experienced. But you know, I think it's important, you know, like as, as I start to get into the back half century of life and see a lot of people in this age group in middle management, the fear now that comes with, it's almost like you put out an energy that you then subsequently receive, which is, I don't like it here. I feel like I've lost all the options in my life and therefore I'm going to come across miserable. And as a result of that, you start to fulfill a prophecy of, well, if you're miserable, well, you know, I'm just going to start to tell you what to do all the time. And it's a spiral. Have you ever observed that behavior? Absolutely. That downward spiral, right? I think often in life, we're either spiraling up or we're spiraling down. Not only neutral, right? No, the kind of sustainability is not really. The- life isn't static, right? Well, and if you think about it, I mean, you were, you were talking about you know, our beliefs, you know, our perspectives on things. Our beliefs impact our behaviors, impact our results, right? So if we're thinking this doesn't work, they'll never get it. This is such a toxic environment. Then the actions that we see as possible are lessened and the actions that we can take powerfully, right? Like that we're willing to fully, boldly step into look different. And so then we get a set of results as a result. If we're working at okay, I'm going to be the influence here, right? I'm going to look at what I can control. 
I'm seeing progress here, right? Then more actions open up and more results are produced. So yeah, how we're thinking and being has a big impact on what we're able to produce in our lives. And breaking that cycle, not just wallowing in it, you know, and that, I guess that rock bottom statement is you don't need to be rock bottom. You just that courage to maybe lift yourself up, get to the gym when you're just that little nudge that just gets you to release some of those dopamine, serotonin receptors that in a positive way. Amy, as we start to close out the podcast, I'd just love for you to come back to those four pillars and just share with the listeners what they can really, just one thing that they could do next week that delivers an outcome for them in each one of those pillars. Okay. Tangible act. Okay. I like the specificity of that question. Uh, Let's see if I can do it. All right. The courage to be authentically you, right? This is knowing your strengths. This is stepping into your style. This is willing to be honest, right? Here's where I'm weak or here's what I don't know, or I made a mistake there. Yeah. I would say one thing that you can do there, make a list of your strengths and the unique value that you provide, right? What do people come to you for? The courage to say what needs to be said. Normally, when I say this in front of a room, I can see the heads nodding around the room. We all have that example of when a leader didn't stand up or didn't have the backs of the team's members or didn't like fell into inaction, right? They didn't say, okay, we need to go into this new direction. There, I would ask you to explore the belief that you can create anything in conversation. Right? You can deliver any message to anyone if you get clear on the positive intentions for the interaction. I'm a big believer in that. The courage to trust the legacy. That's your leadership legacy. So there the ask would be, what's the purpose of your leadership? And this is where your strengths and your passions and your interests come together, overlap, right? And oh, someone's leadership Legacy, I call the leadership legacy. Someone's leadership legacy could be streamlining processes, simplifying things at work. It could be leading global teams. It could be solving complex problems. It could be fostering innovation. It could be any number of things. What's yours? And then the courage to be bold and create the extraordinary. Boo, I think it's so easy to be in reactionary mode, right? I'm just doing what's coming in all my various inboxes. I'm in the busyness of work rather than what many have called our big rocks, right? Like what do you really want to accomplish in life and what are the next steps to get there? I have a little whiteboard right here next to my desk and I write down, I try to practice what I preach, Boo, and write down what are my big rocks, right? What are the actions? What are the tasks that are going to move forward what's most important to me this week. I do that weekly. So what are your what are your big rocks, right? How are you going to be bold and create what you really want to? I mean, that's amazing. Thanks so much for being generous with your time today. Courage is such a, a sensitive subject. You know, I think we feel like we're all courageous until that moment in life when we're afraid of having a conversation with our partner about something that's upsetting us. Afraid to tell a colleague that maybe they need to put some deodorant on. There's just these little small acts of courage um, each and every day. And the work that you do is profound for leaders to equip themselves with just some really basic skills, some big rocks in which to move forward. And hopefully through good leadership, we're creating great impacts and leaving the world a little bit better tomorrow than we inherited it today. 
So thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for the conversation. Awesome. And if you're looking to um, reach out to uh, Amy, please look down. All the show notes have her links, an amazing speaker, coach. If you're looking to upskill your leadership, remember that 89% of leadership programs do not deliver value. This is one of the 11%. Amy, thanks so much for coming on again. Uh, I can't wait to observe the impact you have on the world over the next days, weeks, months, and years. Thanks again. Same, boo. Thank you. Well, that wraps another episode of The Few. And I'd like to thank our partners without whom this episode wouldn't be possible. Firstly, Owed Management, an organization that brings world-class speakers into your event or organization to make a profound impact on your people to deliver the results that you want. And Afterburner, real-life fighter pilots, a team of men and women who for the past 25 years have helped organizations surpass their expectations, learning the tips and tricks fighter pilots use to win 98% of the time. If you enjoyed the show, please show your support by subscribing to the podcast, The Few with Boo, or our YouTube channel. It's been an absolute pleasure sharing the stories of these remarkable people with you. I hope that helps you keep the dream alive, but more importantly, equips you with a few ideas of how to turn those dreams into reality to help you become one of the few too.